1: You are Locked On Magic, your daily podcast on the Orlando Magic, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
0: And you're indeed Locked On Magic. Today is June 19th, 2017. My name is Philip Rossman Reich. I'm the expert and site editor of orlandomagicdaily.com and it is finally here. It is finally here. NBA draft week we're going to have some we're going to have some Orlando Magic news and happenings we're going to begin to reshape and redefine this team this week plenty of news will come out this week uh, plenty of news has already come out about the draft this weekend I'll talk a little bit about that later on in the show and of course we'll be hearing from the Orlando Magic themselves from Jeff Weltman as well as John Hammond later on in the week we'll have that on a future episode of Locked On Magic once uh, they ha- once they hold that press conference it'll be early in the week uh, obviously it has to be early in the week because Thursday's the NBA draft but we'll have complete draft coverage I'll be at the Amway Center not at the draft party at the media uh, at the media viewing uh, so all all uh, on Friday you know Friday's episode will be jam packed there might it might end up being a double episode on Friday I'm hoping to uh, get a co- get comments from some of the media uh, that'll that'll be there talking about the draft uh, immediately after the draft ends uh, we'll. I'll figure out the logistics of that uh, when I when I get there. Um, but also have comment uh, from the Magic's draft pick, uh, who, who's, who's in New York, assumedly, uh, as well as from Jeff Weltman, John Hammond, uh, and anyone else that the Magic make available at that evening. Should be an exciting time. It should be. It is an exciting time, uh, as I found out in doing several mock drafts and several exercises. It's gonna. It's a draft that can go a million different ways. But I would start by telling everyone to go check out the Locked On NBA Mock Draft on the Locked On NBA Podcast. If you have not subscribed to the Locked On NBA Podcast, you're kind of doing this whole draft thing wrong. In addition to the Locked On NBA Mock Draft, which is a mock draft done and run by all the podcasts on the Locked On NBA Network. So essentially, the guys doing Locked On Celtics ran the Celtics. They they picked Markel Fultz, which we'll get to in a little bit. We'll get to why that's a little problematic in a little bit. But essentially... All the experts for their individual teams are picking for their teams. I picked for the Magic. Pick number 25 is coming up either Monday or Tuesday. I forget which day it is, but Monday or Tuesday, you will hear who I picked with the 25th pick in the draft uh, on the Locked On NBA podcast. You can hear who I picked with the 6th pick in the draft. I've linked to it up on OrlandoMagicDaily.com. But you should also download the Locked On NBA podcast as well. In addition to the Locked On mock draft, you also have Jonathan Gavoni. Of, uh, of draft express. He he is the draft expert. There's there's no one better at breaking down this NBA draft than Jonathan Gavoni. He showed he appeared on the show earlier this week. You'll also hear from. There's another really really good guest. You will also hear from Chad Ford of ESPN.com. Another great draft expert uh, on the podcast. It is more than worth your listen. You should download it to get the lowdown on the draft and exactly how this draft could go. It's obviously could. In our mock draft, we did allow trades, so that throws a little wrench into things and you can get an idea of who's moving where. I'll talk a little bit more about trades in a little bit. I also would, st- would let everyone know that I appeared on the Fast Break Breakfast podcast, which is an affiliate of The Step Back. Uh, talking about the Orlando Magic and sort of the blank slate ahead of them. So just kind of getting us into the offseason. A little bit of an autopsy, but also what's to come for the Orlando Magic this year as well. Like I said, plenty to talk about on today's episode, even though the the Magic stuff is quiet. I'll have a draft profile on tomorrow. I'll talk a little bit about Jonathan Isaac on tomorrow's episode of Locked On Magic. I have a guest planned for Wednesday, and then, of course, Thursday is the NBA draft. So a lot, a lot, a lot to get to. And today, I'm going to answer your questions about the Orlando Magic as I open up the Orlando Magic Daily and Locked On Magic mailbag. But... Let's start with the big news of the day or the big news of the weekend. I guess there's a lot of news this weekend as the floodgates began to open and draft week became real. It was reported late Saturday evening and it's essentially been accepted as fact that the Boston Celtics will trade the number one overall pick to the Philadelphia 76ers for the number three overall pick as well as one additional future first round pick. The, The future first round pick is conditional on where the Lakers pick ends up next year. Uh, Remember that Lakers pick, you know, could have been the Magics. Um, Where that Lakers pick ends up next year, and if not, it'll be the Kings pick in 2019. So, the first pick in the draft is on the move. The Philadelphia 76ers appear set to take Markel Fultz. That part isn't the surprise. I guess the surprise is that the Celtics actually pulled the trigger on this deal. And if you listen to people who talk about the NBA a lot, it does begin to sound like, the Celtics are not done. The Celtics plan to continue making moves as they try. As they're they're a conference finalist, they're trying to get better and better and better and better uh, to to again challenge for the NBA championship. And that got compounded a little bit with the news on Sunday from Adrian Wojnarowski of the Vertical that Paul George has informed the Indiana Pacers that he will not re-sign with them. That he is going to test free agency and his Druthers is to join the Los Angeles Lakers. And so, there's going to be a lot of moving pieces. No, I do not think the Magic should push for Paul George. Uh, the cost right now is looking like it's going to be a first-round first, a first round pick as well as a starter-caliber player. If the Magic really wanted to, they could probably trade the sixth pick and Nikola Vucevic or Evan Fournier to get Paul George, and that would be a fair deal. And honestly, if, if it were if I were playing just a fantasy basketball season where I didn't have to worry about next season, I might think about doing that. But we don't live in that world. We live in a world where there is an endless amount of time in front of us, or at least 25 years, according to my, according to my GM uh, limits on 2K. But you, don't, you the Magic aren't in a position to make this deal. This, this does not affect the Magic at all. But it does bring up a couple of things that, that are worth talking about and I think worth mentioning. And, and the first part is to tell a little bit of a story in the history of the Orlando Magic. Of course, the Orlando Magic are somewhat famous for being the last team to trade the number one overall pick on draft night. The the Cleveland Cavaliers, of course, traded Andrew Wiggins, but they'd already taken Wiggins and traded him a few weeks later when, when they signed LeBron James. In fact, I think Wiggins even played summer league games for Cleveland, so his trade happened very, very late after the draft. There is not a long history of these two things happening, of a a team that is in the playoff or in the playoff hunt, or right, right on the verge of the playoff hunt, winning the lottery and a team trading the top overall pick. And essentially the Magic in 1993 were the last team to do this. For those who aren't well-versed in magic history, and and there might be a few of you, you can catch all this on This Magic Moment, a fantastic documentary, part of the ESPN 30 for 30 series. Um, If you do a little bit of digging, uh, Google blue chips, 1995 Orlando Magic. Uh, Jonathan Abrams did a fantastic oral history on the 1995 Orlando Magic. It touches on a lot of the issues, a lot of the things that are mentioned in This Magic Moment as well. But the nuts and bolts of the story here. The Orlando Magic finished the 1992-93 season at 41-41. and They tied for the final playoff spot with the Indiana Pacers and lost that playoff spot on a tiebreaker. Shaquille O'Neal was rookie of the year, and everyone knew he was going to be the force that everyone believed he would be when all the lottery teams hid his jersey beneath the, their dais and only the Magic jersey saw the light of day. Shaquille O'Neal was a, a dominant force. And so the Magic entered the lottery, and it was a different lottery system. It was a different waiting system. It actually changed because of what happened in the 93 lottery. The Magic entered the lottery with just one ping-pong ball. And as Pat Williams likes to say, that lonely little ping-pong ball fought its way to the top. And all of a sudden, the Magic, a team that already had Shaquille O'Neal, that had won the lottery the year before, the Magic were ready to pick first again. On OrlandoMagicDaily.com, in the in the Video Vault section, I've linked to the full 1993 NBA Draft Lottery. And you can, A, hear the shock, because only the top three picks were determined by lottery at this time. You could hear the shock when the Magic did not come up at thir- at 12, I think it was. because There's still only 28 teams in the league. And everyone knew the Magic had gotten into the top three. And when Orlando wins that top pick, Bob Costas says to himself, unbelievable. And Pat Williams is clearly said, clearly heard on the telecast saying, are you kidding me? You got to be kidding me. The Magic had the number one pick in the draft. Now, despite what, you know, the NBC broadcast would have you believe. The consensus first pick in that draft was Chris Webber. Sean Bradley was a nice player at seven foot six, good shot blocker. You know, Anthony Hardaway was an unknown. Chris Webber was the top pick in that draft, and everyone assumed the Magic were going to roll out a Twin Towers line. Remember, this is the midnight, this is the early nineties. Twin Tower lineups were still in vogue, and Chris Webber is probably a Hall of Famer. I don't think he's in yet, but he should be a Hall of Famer for for at least what he did in college and the pros because he was one of the best passing big men of all time. And the Magic seemed set to pick their guy, Chris Webber, and create a Twin Tower lineup. But the Magic were also in a, a different kind of position. They didn't need the number one pick that year. They, they had just missed the playoffs on a tiebreaker. They needed a player that fit the best. And Weber maybe didn't fit the best. As, as Pat Williams said in uh, in this magic moment, don't the, all the good teams have a good point guard and a good center? And it helped that Anthony Hardaway made this decision really kind of easy. Because Anthony Hardaway went out, him and his agent did a fantastic job at the time, on a campaign to convince the Magic to take him with the number one pick. It started on the filming of Blue Chips, a movie starring Nick Nolte. Shaquille O'Neal was in it. And the way they filmed it was they had pretty much live scrimmages. And so the way Hardaway tells the story, he was just feeding Shaq the ball, making Shaq look good. And Shaq told management, you got to take this kid. When the Magic brought in Hardaway for a second workout with the team, he actually worked out against the Magic players and dominated their best defenders, Anthony Bowie and Donald Royal. So the question became, do you buck you know, the consensus and take Hardaway number one? Or do you do what's kind of unthinkable and trade the number one pick? It's only happened like three or four times. It's very, very rare. But this was one of the instances where it not only needed to happen, but it should happen. Because Golden State was sitting at three, really desperate for a center. They wanted Bradley or Weber. They needed Bradley or Weber. And probably they needed Weber more than than Bradley, considering the skill set that Don Nelson likes. And so the Magic began negotiations and got a trade. They traded Chris Weber, the number one overall pick, to Golden State. For Anthony Hardaway and three future first-round picks in 96, 98, and 2000. The 96 pick became Todd Fuller. The Magic traded that to the Washington Bullets along with the 98 first-round pick, which became Vince Carter and actually worked its way back to Golden State somehow. The Golden State picked Vince Carter traded him to Toronto for Antoine Jameson in that draft. So the Magic traded Scott Skiles the 96 first-round pick, and the 98 first-round pick, essentially for nothing because they were trying to clear cap room to sign Horse Grant. To, to say that this deal set up the Magic's championship run is understating it because obviously Hardaway was Penny Hardaway. But it also ended up creating the room the Magic needed to, to add that last piece to, to get to the finals in 1995. Of course, in Orlando at the time, everyone was booing because everyone knew Weber was was the consensus top overall pick. And Pat Williams, the the the, few, the fortune teller that he is, told the crowd that evening, "We're going to turn those boos into cheers." And boy, did they! So, what's the lesson of all this? What what lesson? can we take from this in modern times with the Boston Celtics trading that pick? A, it takes a ransom. It takes, it takes a lot to get that top overall pick. And the team that trades it oftentimes doesn't turn out as bad as you think. Of course, the Cavaliers had LeBron James in, in their pocket, but when they traded Andrew Wiggins for Kevin Love, that became an important piece for them to win the NBA championship. Say what you want. You know, Wiggins is a nice young player. Kevin Love was critical to the Cavaliers winning the championship in 2016. And, you know, Wigg- Love is, I guess, still a sore subject here This now, but they're not winning that championship with Andrew Wiggins. I'll, I'll, I'll say that plainly. So that trade was a success for them. The Magic obviously saw that trade as a, as a success for them. The only time really it was, was kind of a failure was when Pat Williams actually did it with the Cleveland Cavaliers, he traded the number one pick in the 1980, I think it was 83 or 84 draft, to Cleveland for Brad Doherty, or for, for a player who is probably irrelevant to history, and the Cavaliers selected Brad Doherty. Not a, a strong draft, if that's the case. So, if you're going to trade the top overall pick, you better... Hey, have your pieces in place already. You better already be a strong team. And you better make sure you get some future assets in return because you never know what you can flip those for. Like how the Magic flipped that 96 and 98 first round pick to do something else with it. It appears the Celtics are looking to flip flip those picks too. That the Celtics are looking to take what they've just acquired and and also the stack of picks that they have sitting in their back pocket and turn it into Jimmy Butler or Paul George or someone that will help them get over the top and over the Cleveland Cavaliers into the NBA Finals. They have the luxury of doing this. Just like how the Detroit Pistons in 2003 had the luxury of missing on Darko Milicic. Now, I, I, I could get into my theories on Darko and another day, but the Pistons didn't need that pick. It was, a, it was a luxury. The Celtics do not need the top overall pick. They don't need Markel Fultz. They've got Isaiah Thomas, and the rumors going around is that if they do end up making this pick, they really like Josh Jackson or they really like Jason Tatum. Those are players that fit their needs. And as I always like to say, when you're a team drafting at the top, You should never draft on me. That's how you make mistakes. But when you're a good team drafting at the top, you don't want to duplicate talent. You don't want to impede a budding young star or create tension between a a, a veteran and a a rising star. You don't really want to do that. But at a certain point, too, you got to begin... You know, you gotta you gotta add the top talent when you can. And so I, I like I really like this deal for Boston because it pu- it, it a nets them a, nets them a key asset that will help them down the road, and it puts them in a position to draft a player that better fits their needs. It wouldn't surprise me to see Boston move again, move either move down again because they they don't really need a star. They've got Isaiah Thomas. It wouldn't surprise me to see Boston continue to make moves because their needs are very different than a team like the Magic, who the Magic need just front end talent. They need top end talent. Ace is the
1: place with the helpful hardware, folks. It's Ace's biggest LED light bulb sale of the year. Right now, buy one, get one free on our best selling LED light bulbs. Our four pack of LED bulbs is $9.99, and our two pack of LED floodlights is only $12.99. Buy one, get one free. There's no limit on how much you can save, so stock up now. Hurry in. Buy one, get one free on long-lasting 10-year LED bulbs, now through Monday, only at your neighborhood Ace. See participating stores for details. And that leads me, I guess, to one of the big questions
0: that I think I got in my mailbag, and one that I want to address very specifically. You can check out the Orlando Magic Daily mailbag for my full answers on orlandomagicdaily.com. But let me ask, let me get to one key question that I think someone asked me. Flip deurden asked on Facebook, do the Orlando Magic make moves to get two top 10 picks or draft four players? I think moving the later three picks in a future first and going all in with the young guys on the roster now makes the most sense. The team is already so young. And I think this brings up one of the key questions the Magic face this draft, because inevitably, when you have multiple picks, you have the ability to move up. You have the ability to take, say, thirty-three and thirty-five, and net a first-round pick in the twenties, or maybe you can make twenty-five and thirty-three and get into the get into the teens, or get a second pick in the lottery. And I think absolutely the Magic have to explore this. I, I am I am of the belief that the Magic need to maximize this draft as much as possible. This is the draft to strike for them. They've got the number six pick, which should get them someone very good. I don't think the Magic need to move up from six. I don't think they need to give up anything to get up from six. Six is a good spot for them, whether they're taking Dennis Smith, Jason Tatum, Jonathan Isaac, whoever. That's going to be a good spot for them. But do the Magic try to get a second lottery pick there's certainly a strong argument for them to do so if they can do, giving up say Alfred Payton, who you know has shown flashes and 25 and 33 or 25 and 35 or 33 and 35 with Alfred Payton to get a second lottery pick makes some logical sense but I would say slow down here What's really more key than that, what's really more key than just trading up to trade up, the Magic should not trade up to trade up. They need to have a target in mind. They need to have a player that they like, that they want to draft. You don't just trade to trade. It trades, it's 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 like when you're watching a movie. Good movies, good directors, show you exact everything that you see on camera is something the director has chosen for you to see. Everything matters. Just like when you're writing, every sentence needs to drive the narrative forward. Otherwise, you're just rambling, which I sometimes tend to do on this show. So, if the Magic are going to trade up from 25, or trade up from 33 and 35, and try and get into the lottery, they need to know who they're going after. Now, there are a few players that I really like that I would probably trade up to get. Donovan Mitchell from, from Louisville. Plays shooting guard. He's a little bit undersized, but has a lot of length. And we know length and athleticism is something that the Magic want. Good at driving to the basket. Decent jump shooter. Good defender. That's a player I would consider trading up for. I am a Big Ten guy, so I'm personally probably a little higher on O.G. Anunoby from Indiana a little bit more than other people. He's got really, really good size. Really strong defender. Explosive athlete going to the basket. Tore his ACL this year. So there's a chance that he drops a little bit. But I think he's really, really talented and and worth some of the risk. I'm also high on Terrence Ferguson. I like his athleticism. I like his length. I like his potential to develop into a shooter. It's going to take some time with him too. I don't know if he's the perfect fit. I don't know if I trade up to get him because I think there's a possibility he drops at 25. But this is all to say there are players that I like who I think the Magic could trade up to get. But this is also not the draft to trade up just to trade up. Just to say, oh, we're going for more talent. After about pick 10, a lot of the prospects start to look really, really similar. And not just that they look really, really similar. It's that they don't necessarily fit what the Magic want. I'm not very high on Justin Jackson. I'm not very high on Luke Kennard. And then you got a bunch of centers. You know, you're Zach Collins, who's more of a power forward, but I'm not particularly high on him either. You're Jared Allen. John Collins, a traditional power forward, who I actually end up picking in, in one of the mock drafts that I've done um, at 25. Justin Patton, Harry Giles. Ike Anabogu do you trade up to the lottery to take TJ Leaf? I don't think so this is all to say that to trade up in this draft it has to be for the right player if you're not happy with who you're picking at 25 or who's available to you at 25 let's say the Magic take Dennis Smith with the first pick and so you know you have to try and get Jawan Evans or you really like Jawan Evans and you want to get him and you're willing to trade up a little bit to get him. You go for it. If you don't think you'll get... If you don't like Derek White or you don't like Frank Jackson, you don't like some of the players and you you know you need to get Juwan Evans. It's essentially what the Magic did when they got Alfred Payton. They knew they needed Alfred Payton. And Philadelphia kind of knew it too. And so they gave up some assets to get him. And Now... That Alfred Payton trade, I think, gets unfairly criticized. Magic picked him at 10, or the Sixers picked him at 10. The Magic traded the 12th pick, which turned out to be Dario Saric, which the Magic weren't waiting on him. I I liked Dario Saric at the time, but the Magic weren't waiting on him. Uh, And then they also traded back a pick to Philadelphia that if you go back and look at the protections on that pick, the Magic weren't getting that pick, and they knew it. So the Magic really just swapped 10 and 12 with Philadelphia. So, that was, that was kind of the same idea that I'm saying here. If there's a guy, and, and you can't telegraph it, obviously, but if there's a guy that you really, really want, then you trade up to get him. If there's not a guy you really, really want, I think this draft is good enough that you can sit tight at 25, where you're picking between, you know, kind of stretch fours like TJ Leaf and Tyler Lydon and DJ Wilson and maybe a power forward like Ivan Rabb or a wing like Semi Ojolai, um, another guy who I think the Magic might trade up for, or going after a power forward like Jordan Bell, or a point guard like Derek White or Frank Jackson. There, there are real options. And I would even venture to say, I don't think it's a bad idea, it, depending on how the draft goes, for the Magic to trade down from 25 for a player that they like more that they're maybe not willing to give a first-round first round contract to. And there are a couple of players like that. Like, you know, Frank Jackson, I think, is a guy that you would spend a first-round pick on. But Derek White, he's a senior. He should be able to make an immediate impact, and you'll know pretty quickly if he can make it. Maybe I'm not willing to give him a first-round contract. I don't know. You know, maybe I think, it sounds like Wesley Wundu is, is, is climbing the rankings of the guard from Kansas State. You know, maybe I slip back a little bit and, and bet that he'll be there in the second round. That's that's kind of the, the, the poker game that's going on here. And so I think the takeaway from the takeaway that I would say for the Magic's draft trade strategy is know who you like and know who you're willing to trade up for. And then see how the draft plays out. Once the Magic pick at 6, things start to fall in place, I think. I really do believe this. Things will start to fall in place for the rest of the for the rest of the off Once the Magic pick at six, you take Dennis Smith, then you know Alfred Payton's probably on the market. You don't need a point guard anymore. You know you start you know you start looking at your other needs a small forward, a, a stretch four. You know you start figuring out how to fill those other needs. And I think with 25, 33, and thirty five, you're looking to fill needs more than more than anything else. But if you take, say, like Jason Tatum with with, or Jonathan Isaac with the sixth pick, then the wheels start turning again. You got your small forward, you got maybe your stretch four, you got some power forward help. Now you need a point guard. Or now you need, you know, some shooting. And so now you start looking for that with these other picks. Or you start looking for that with these with some of these prospects. That's kind of the the story that's going on here. Is is a lot of things just start falling into place once you make that first selection. And so it's hard for me to sit here and say the Magic should trade it get get a second pick in the lottery. Because we have to kind of let the draft play out and let the Magic's needs dictate what they do. I think it would be wise for the Magic to have an idea of which players they want to get and which players they're willing to make that push for. And once they do that, then they can have a plan of action on draft night, on draft day. I don't suspect the Magic will trade out of this draft. It's possible maybe that they trade you know, 25 and, and 33 maybe for a low price veteran, but I, I really doubt that. I think they want to use these draft picks. And I think it's very possible that we'll have three or four rookies heading into camp this year. Let me quickly answer some other questions. I know it's on Monday. I'm going a little bit long here. But let me quickly answer some questions. Uh, you know, one question that I got from Lee Golden-Wells on Orlando Magic Daily was, do we look to address the backup four spot in the draft, free agency, or take a risk and keep playing Hezonia there? If in the draft, looking at our later picks, who's a better fit? Swanigan, Motley, or someone else? Uh, you know, I think mostly with, with the Magic, I don't, I don't think they need to be looking at a position. Um, certainly with that first pick. But as we get later on in the draft, I do think the Magic need to look to fill some of their their needs, which is shooting, obviously. Um, I think that they could use a stretch four. I I don't think going... I I think a traditional four would be valuable, Um, but I don't think it's necessarily necessary, especially because you have Bismack Biambo playing backup center right now. So much of what the Magic are going to do is built on what are they going to do with their center logjam? Are they going to solve that center logjam? And and it's hard. It's, it, I, I'm not ready to predict it yet. I, I think the, the going logic is a magical try and shop Nikola Vucevic around, but I'm not a hundred percent sure they'll get something done. And so when I look at some of the center prospects and there's some good ones that I think the magic could take at 25, you know, Ike Anabogu, Harry Giles is interesting. Um, yeah, even on, on Anze percent, is interesting. Uh, I, I I'm a and, and even I'd even consider trading up for Jarrett Allen if I have the center position figured out. Um, but I think for now it, it's too hard to predict. And so I'm kind of shying away from some of the center prospects and some of the, the, the regular power forward prospects. So it's I think it's very possible that the Magic do try and solve their backup four issues, but I think they're gonna look more for versatility from that position. So I I look at guys like DJ Wilson who played some 3-4 at Michigan, can shoot it a little bit, a uh, great defender on the perimeter already. Versatile, versatile 4. Tyler Leiden, TJ Leaf, traditional stretch, you know, stretch fours with a little bit more athleticism. I think those are the kind of guys at the magic target. When you look though at the power forwards that are available in this market, they're not in the free agency market, they're not particularly good. Uh, I think Nikola Mirotic and and uh uh, Patrick Patterson are probably your two best bets. They're certainly within the I think Patterson, I think they're both within the Magic's price range, but they don't get me super excited even as a backup four. I, I think I'd rather take my chance on Leaf or Leiden as a backup four than those than those two. But again, you have to kind of see how the draft plays out. I think for the Magic, they're looking to just increase their talent base overall, especially off the bench. And so they're gonna just they're gonna probably take who they feel is the best player available, except for a center and probably at least for now a point guard. Because DJ Augustin's kind of locked in there as a backup point guard. Maybe they take a young point guard there. I, I don't know. But um my my bet right now is is I would shy away from it unless Jawan unless Jawan Evans is there. I really like Jawan Evans. Um and and, and the shooting guard spots kind of cramped too, but I like Derek White a lot, and, I'll, and and Frank Jackson, I could you could you could sell me on as well at that at that spot. Um, if Semi July is there at at twenty five, I'm taking Semi July in a heartbeat. Um, that, that that kid can play. Uh, one more question to a- answer. I'll I'll go ahead and answer this one. I think I think everyone kind of knows I'm in this camp already. Uh, Sir, Obama at O oh Money asked, "Who are your favorite picks at six, and who is your favorite free agent?" I will fully admit, I have not done a ton of free agency study yet. Um, a lot of that is because I think the draft needs to play out before we really uh, begin addressing the Magic's needs. And the other part of it is the Magic don't have a lot of money to spend. Only $16 million, about $16 million in cap room to spend this year. Their roster is going to look pretty full fairly quickly. Um, they have four draft picks. Um, that's going to take up Those will take up some roster spots. Uh, and so that's going to make it difficult to to bring in free agents as well. And I think, honestly, the Magic one to keep that cap space open to maybe absorb more salary in a trade. So, like, if they're trying to trade, say, Bismack Biombo or DJ Augustin, they'll probably agree to take on a bad contract or take on more money to get rid of those players. Now, obviously, the player has to fit, too. It has to make sense. Uh, and the contract has to make sense. I mean, I think I've... Danced around saying, you know, you know, maybe the Magic are willing to take on the Waldang, and then I saw that contract. I'm like, no, no, not a chance. Um, but you know, I, I, I'm not. I'm, I'm going to avoid the Brandon Knight idea. But you know, maybe the Magic are willing to take on a, a bad contract that's short term, maybe like two years, to to get out from under some of the some of the big contracts that are really weighing down the cap. Because once a player becomes expiring, they become a little bit more valuable. Maybe they're willing to suffer through a year, year and a half of a bad contract to, to get out from guys who don't longer fit. I mean, I, I, I like DJ Augustin fine. I don't think he fits what the Magic want to do anymore. I think he fit what they wanted to do before the season began, after the All-Star break, after the trade. I, I'm not 100% sure he fits what the team wants to do anymore. So free agency is kind of a bust for me. I'm not as focused on it. In this draft, at six. There are definitely players I really, really like. And, you know, I am fully on record now. I've taken it. I took him in the Locked On NBA mock draft. I've taken him in pretty much every mock draft where he's been available. I would take Dennis Smith of NC State. Um, I think that he is, A, a player who has star potential written all over him. Um, I think that he is only going to get better from what he was at NC State, especially because he's getting healthier. Um, I think Mark Heisler of the Orange County Register reported that in his workout with the Lakers, he had a 48-inch vertical. Um, I, I don't know if it's that high, but I remember when Frank Vogel was talking about him after his workout that uh, that his athleticism was very impressive, that, that it seemed like he had passed all their check marks as far as recovering from the injury. Uh, and with Smith especially, I think that that style of play at point guard is more in line with what the NBA wants. He's efficient as a scorer, very efficient, shot better than 50, I think it was 53% effective field goal percentage at NC State with a 27% usage rate. Needs to continue improving his three-point shot, but also added six assists per game on a team that really didn't have many weapons outside of him. I mean, Omer, you're seven, getting some draft buzz uh, or got some draft buzz, but um, that, that team was just really bad and he was still able to produce at a high, efficient level. Um, for them. I think he fits the current roster too. I, I'm more willing to discard Alfred Payton uh, maybe than, than than other players. Uh, but the other options at that pick are, are Jason Tatum and Jonathan Isaac. And and I think with Tatum, I'm, I like him. I think that he'll fit. He'll play well anywhere he goes. I think Tatum doesn't help Aaron Gordon. I'm still holding out hope that Aaron Gordon can take a leap. Um, I think that, I mean obviously this is the year Aaron Gordon has to take the leap or you know it's it's going to be re- it's going to be really tough to justify some things with them, um, but I think right now the Magic are in a position where they need to let Aaron Gordon grow, and I'm afraid with both Tatum and Isaac that he cramps what Gordon does because neither are super reliable three point shooters. Uh, I think Tatum does a lot of really good things when he doesn't have the ball. He's a very good rebounder, and I like with Tatum and Isaac their positional versatility where they can they can them and they and Gordon can switch defensively a lot. But the offense still concerns me. And I want to see Aaron Gordon flourish on the offensive end. And I think Tatum and Isaac, uh, at least for this year, don't allow him to do that. Don't allow him to do that. And I think Smith is, if not better than those two players, on their level, at least for now, that the Magic should be willing to invest in him and give him that chance and give him uh, and give him the reins a little bit to, to create for others. I think he'll do a lot better in an offense surrounded by Evan Fournier and Terrence Ross and Nikola Vucevic than he would with Omer Seven and, and whatever NC State had with him. Um, I think that his three point shooting will improve uh, with NBA players around him, uh, and I just think Smith has it. Uh, I really, 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 really like Dennis Smith Jr. a lot, uh, and so he would be my pick at six, and, and I'm, I'm going to I'm going to bat for him. Right now, I, it's not that I'd be upset if the Magic took Tatum or Isaac. Don't get me wrong; they're very good players. I would not be upset. I understand all the arguments for them, and and I see it. I definitely see it. Um, but for me and my money, I am I am I'm Team Dennis Smith Jr. right now. As far as favorite free agents, a lot of that's going to depend on how the draft goes. Like I said, um, I, the Magic are going to have to look for some bargains. Um, you know, I, I'm sure they'll go after Otto Porter or Contavius Caldwell Pope and Tony Snell. But it's looking like those guys are going to be out of their price range. I don't think they should spend all of their cap room on those players. I think they should save some of it to to try and push for some trades. Um to maybe take in a little bit more money on trades. And maybe go after like a kind of small time veteran. Uh, you know, I saw Daryl Henderson might be available. I think you could get him really, really cheap. Um, he's a noted magic killer, not a bad defender. You know, I think he had a bad year last year. Um, but you know, maybe you can get him really, really cheap to add add some veteran presence to the bench, reliable bench, always been very reliable bench player. Uh, but you know, if that's the, the biggest name that I saw that I'm like, you know, I I might throw some money his way. And I'm not talking about big money, you know, maybe five, six, seven million dollars, something like that. I don't know. Um, two years, nothing, nothing major. Um, if if he's the biggest name that you're thinking of probably not the year for you in free agency. I just don't have a lot of faith at the mag- I, I, I Honestly, I think the Magic should let some of the young guys go a little bit um, and, and look to make trades to improve the roster. I think that's where their bargains are found and improvement this offseason. All right, that's going to do it for me today. I went a little bit longer than I usually do today, so I appreciate that. I'm feeling a little frisky as it's draft week. We'll have plenty of great draft coverage the rest of the week. I'll have um, whenever John Hammond and Jeff Weltman have their press conference. Uh, I will have a report from that for you on the podcast as well as up on orlandomagicdaily.com. Uh for all my answers to the Orlando Magic Daily mailbag, I encourage you to go to orlandomagicdaily.com, check out the Orlando Magic Daily Mailbag Volume 24, One Draft to Rule Them All. It is officially NBA Draft Week. We'll have coverage all week of the draft podcast special podcast episode on Wednesday as well as hopefully on on for Friday's episode hopefully. Um, I will have uh, at least a probably a double episode for you uh, one with with all of us in the media room talking about the draft um, commenting on the draft and recapping it and then hopefully one as well with some comments from uh, the players involved including President of Basketball Operations Jeff Weltman and the Magic's first round pick plenty 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 to happen this week it's just getting started the, the fireworks are just getting started here as it is Monday of NBA draft week. You can, of course, follow the podcast on Twitter for the latest at Locked On Magic, as well as like us on Facebook at Locked On Magic. And for the latest on the Orlando Magic, check out OrlandoMagicDaily.com and follow me on Twitter at OmagicDaily. We're also on Facebook at Orlando Magic Daily. That's going to do it for me. I want to thank you all for listening to Locked On Magic today. We'll see you all again to- for Orlando Magic Daily and Locked On Magic. We'll see you all again tomorrow on another episode of Locked On Magic. You are Locked On Magic, your daily Orlando magic podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Ace is the place with the
1: helpful hardware, folks. It's Ace's biggest LED light bulb sale of the year. Right now, buy one, get one free on our best-selling LED light bulbs. Our four-pack of LED bulbs is 9 dollars